Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of uh, Inbound Marketing Notes. I'm Ben from Session Media, your host as usual, and today we're going to be doing something quite cool, and that is we're going to be looking back at the pitches, the 79 pitches I've had the privilege of doing over the past 12 months. And I want to look into two main areas. One is I want to start looking at, out of those 79 conversations, what were some emerging trends of the biggest challenges that the marketers were having in the B2B marketing industry? And not only the things that people, you know, as a whole were saying, but also things that they didn't say, but I observed with, you know, other activity they explained that they were doing. Um, and some things I think potentially may be holding some B2B marketing companies back. I also want to then go on to talk around our process in general. And before last year, we had the majority of our leads came in through some digital marketing, which was relatively passive for us, um, but mainly through referrals. And in the last year, we've had quite a big push on doing our own marketing activity and spending above and beyond the levels of our revenue in which we tell our clients to do just to sort of have some internal use cases as well as the use cases and case studies we have for, for all of our clients. And in that, we've obviously had a lot of conversations we've had across the board and how then they have been managed through a pipeline and some of the key findings that we found as being our own client, for example. So we have the nuances of how the CRM really works in the sales process, length of buying cycles, what typical trends that we've seen, what things have worked quite well. And it's really going into sort of the weeds of how B2B marketing and sales can really start working together to, to expedite growth and, and to increase revenue in a, in a trackable fashion. But first off, let's dive straight in and start looking at the biggest issues from digital marketers and what they have. And this isn't something, this is something that a few of them, uh, a few B2B marketers have said to me, but a lot of them haven't said this, but I think it's been quite implied with regard to what's actually come out of the other end of our conversation. And by that is B2B marketers within companies, in-house B2B marketers have a lot on their plate. They are in charge of everything from managing events what the events are happening now or the webinars taking care of all the marketing assets this actually includes a lot of content writing a lot of blog writing all of that stuff they write the emails a lot of time doing a lot of the website management uh, even sometimes things like design doing managing potentially their own ppc or seo sort of platform and it all comes and stems from what i've seen in the market is very busy job descriptions and when you read a job description for an in-house role it's typically this person must know how to do everything under the sun in marketing. And because maybe there isn't that much awareness at the top levels of in-house in companies, because it's quite a new discipline, digital marketing, about the skill set that someone should have is they think that B2B marketing managers should be able to do the whole thing and they should actually have that skill set on themselves and they shouldn't have to outsource it. And because digital marketing's online, it should be easy for one person to do and we see it a lot and this then leads into small marketing teams and these small marketing teams have levels of budgets which would be indicative of them rolling out programs by themselves for sorry uh, programs that they're in charge of which they're actually implementing um, as well as managing internally and it's quite hard sometimes to to have those conversations because you need to be brought in to help with it Potentially the budgets aren't always there for some companies who don't know what their objectives are, but they need assistance, but it's not always there. So sometimes it can be, I imagine, quite hard for internal uh, in-house people who have a, a too wide a job role that they're inspected, they're, they're sort of expected to implement. And I think from our 
perspective, the best marketing teams that we've seen perform and the ones that have helped their company actually grow rather than serve a, a reactive function of getting things pushed out is there's, there's two ways of doing it. You either have a small marketing team, but these marketing teams are or people are seen as um, project managers. They own and they work with the company on business strategy, business direction, but then they use freelancers or agencies in order to really allow them just to manage the overall big picture and then delegate specialisms to specialist agencies. So then they can really focus on the outcome. They can focus on coordinating and, and communicating that with the rest of the company and really acting as a great project manager to make sure things are done well and align with the outcome they're looking to achieve over the time frame to a budget. And that works really well in-house if you have someone dedicated, knowledgeable around digital marketing and aligned to the business. The other way you can do it is if you do want to bring it in-house, you need to make sure that you actually hire a team which is capable of fulfilling each of the different disciplines to a really high level. You don't want someone who is you know, doing design who's also a great copywriter, for example, because different sides of the brain and it's going to then at best be mediocre across the board. Whereas if you're going to start making it or doing it in-house, you want to hire someone who is a performance marketing manager, who can do your programmatic, who can do your paid media management. You need a creative person or like a pre-sales person, if it's technical, to say, these are the problems our, our technical audience are having and these are the messaging or the messages we should be putting out there which really resonate with the audience. So like a content person. You need someone, for example, who can, I don't know, manage the agencies or manage the actual like process of making sure things are delivered um someone who manages the website so whatever your strategy is you need people that actually specialize in certain things because the same person who's the events marketing manager they shouldn't also be creating the marketing collateral for a technical product and we see it a lot so if you're going to bring it in-house make sure that you actually hire a team which is big enough to support your growth. Otherwise, what you'll be doing is spreading your marketing team so thin that they're doing a bit of everything, but don't really necessarily get around to doing anything properly, which has a business impact. And I think that's really the, the overall goal. So what I've seen, and we have it all the time where people are really keen to you know have a bit of budget they want to start doing some some paid media because they know it's going to help them and you know that it's really high priority but then they get something that's sprung on them which is you know an immediate event or an immediate thing and then it gets pushed back another month and you know have to keep you start it but they get ready and you know then just the actual stuff which could make a difference in the long term keeps getting pushed and priorities shift and you know someone spread really thin that they kind of lose a picture of it because it's just natural that if you have so much stuff you're going to do you're very much focused on the short term and ticking those things off rather than long-term strategy so don't hire someone who's great and expect them to do a lot of things badly let them either have a budget to manage external agencies and grow and or give them the budget to to hire in-house and maintain all of that control internally but they actually need to have people to specialize in, in whole different areas so that's the first one the second one is unclear direction if you're a funded tech startup, you have a very clear direction because it's it's quite short term. You want to get to the next round of funding. You have certain KPIs that you need to hit from growth. You have certain money that's come in to spend. And it, it's quite nice with regard to 
actually saying these are our these are our targets this is our budget we need to hit them and then it's about working backwards from that and finding a strategy which fits in along with the time frame so a seed a funding for example maybe we focus more around paid versus you know round c or c uh, round c sorry round a would be more focused around paid for example and then round c would be potentially more organic stuff as well to help sort of that longer term strategy towards going for the acquisition or whatever it is for some companies that have been around for quite a while i'd say this is what happens they, they're quite unclear about what it is that they want to achieve and the objective of doing any marketing either internally or externally is they want more than what they have now just more just i just want to see something which is fine because a a lot of companies are are used to just having referral or traffic and they want to start regaining some of that referral traffic and referral business sorry and they want to start getting some of that control in-house they want to start being able to move things around internally which actually starts generating business and it's how it should be so it makes a lot of sense from you know a psychological way that people think and the problem is with the unclear direction is you it's hard to define a strategy if you don't know exactly what you want to achieve. If you haven't got certain revenue numbers that you want marketing to be involved with or anything along those lines. And that then messes with the timeframes. If you don't have numbers, you don't know the timeframes, therefore you don't know which channels are going to be potentially the best for you. And what then happens is people just want to see a month-on-month return. They say, I want to start this month and I want to make more money in this first month than I've spent. And I would rather do that every month and do a little bit of progress on top of what I'm spending every month and that to be attributable to my activity or our company's activity versus saying I'm going to spend the first six months laying a solid foundation, not worrying too much about ROI and then seeing that hockey stick sort of approach to when everything starts gaining momentum because the the target audience market has been notified in what we do. We've educated them on why they should buy and then the conversations have started happening naturally rather than trying to force it on a month by month basis. And that's what we see is, is people and companies would much rather see short term small success rather than long-term bigger success and i think it comes down to trust a lot of companies that have been around for a while have been have been burnt for sure by agencies who come on promise the world so it's going to take six months and then six months comes round, and both activity wise and results wise nothing's really happened so it makes a lot of sense that people want to see a month-on-month return but there are other metrics you can report on in the shorter term to show that things are having an effect to see that things are actually getting through and yes you will get good direct response conversations of the back of advertising which is done well but those should be the ones which say okay i know i'm getting some direct response stuff so i know in the background these conversations are happening which very much involve our company so short term roi isn't always the best way to go but it's definitely the one that companies with unclear direction would like to see and i'd say that probably works for the vast majority of of companies that have been around for say sort of 10 years um or so b2b companies that have been around for about 10 years who are are privately funded i'd say it's it's quite often sequence that we see or quite often a sort of persona of company that we see um around that age so the next one is sales team size And in a lot of B2B companies, the sales team size is a lot bigger than the marketing size. And I think typically we've seen about one marketer to every sort of five to seven salespeople. And when we have conversations, the the conversations is often geared towards we need to create leads for our sales team. And that's fine. And they need people to follow up with and course it's structure. But then they're spending X hundreds of thousands of pounds worth on on salespeople's um, salaries and bonuses. And then they're spending two, three grand a month on marketing. And when you do the math, there's just not 
it doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint that 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 budget that would fund you know junior executive salary will be enough budget to fund the whole sales team especially if we look back to the last point that everyone's looking for an immediate ROI so what normally happens is a lot of time is the the goals and ambitious and the targets are out of whack with the size of sales team versus the size of budget and it's because sales there's something very tangible about salespeople. it's very direct it's very sort of hit your targets or don't hit them with marketing again done correctly it's not always directly attributable so what i'd like to see and what we do see from a lot of successful marketing teams their marketing team is just as large as their sales team if not slightly better funded because they shouldn't be seen as separate entities so sales gets more and marketing gets less it should be it's one but if you're looking at a split then you should be looking to spend as much on your marketing as you are on your sales if not more because that that is where the foundation comes you know try and gear away from cold calling and cold lead you know outreaching and and try and get some sort of inbound interest at which you know can shape your sales teams outbound uh, strategy really try and leverage you know linkedin engagement and interest within platforms and education so when someone does from a sales team does reach out it's timely versus you know intrusive the final one that i want to go through for companies and in-house is they have a kind of t- it all kind of ties into the same thing about being overworked having ambitious targets or unclear targets but then also the way in which people report and it's it's amazing how many conversations you have and and people you speak with are like okay some of our all of our leads come from the website i I think they're through referral so we've been around for a long time so it just happens so they have the equity they get the leads not quite sure or they're getting leads from somewhere but don't want to invest in it so they get a lot of leads through linkedin organic but they don't want to do linkedin ads because they don't see how it's going to work and lots of like there's lots of distance between what's what's working and what and what wants to happen and a lot of people say that you know they want to do seo because they get a lot of organic leads for their website but aren't quite sure what the keywords are that are ranking for them or what that journey looks like but just because the attribution is set up in the crm that says organic they want to do more organic even though those people are coming through from a branded search so i think the issue here is over the years the likes of HubSpot and attribution software and different marketing vendors and MarTech has educated the market with a lot of money on how marketing should be done and how attribution should be done. And now these tools like HubSpot have made all of their money through selling software which aligns to it or aligns to that marketing and their software solves the marketing problem. And I think HubSpot's a great bit of software as a CRM. But I think some of the advice they give, again, does mislead some success what success kpi should be so for example they have a lot of success around attribution for you know marketing automation so capture someone's lead put them in an email sequence you know that they're definitely going to convert the b2b buying journey is in that linear and if you're looking just to capture leads to email it's just a single point of presence in marketing then you're probably not going to get the bang for your buck and you probably are going to start get, getting annoyed and even if you catch a lots of leads sometimes and they don't come into uh fruition in, with regard to revenue then that's when people start internally saying okay we well, thought we wanted leads but they're not converting let's try a different method of, of advertising which is where you can start actually working with companies to to reframe how they think about marketing and how they can actually start thinking about creating demand through content versus just capturing leads um through asset downloads for example so again it goes on to that and, and HubSpot and the other attribution platforms are not picking HubSpot because I actually think it's amazing. Um, but the marketing a lot of the time is very much like you use our attribution platform 
in our CRM and it will tell you exactly where they've come from because we've got multi-channel attribution. But multi-channel attribution is a 100% multi-channel attribution is, is a pipe dream. It's just not how B2B buyers buy. You will get some indicative data which says they hit a Facebook ad, they hit a LinkedIn ad, they hit a Google ad, they came through, they were all on the same device or they were logged into the same account or whatever and it managed to track it and you're like, Jesus, this is this is really cool. And then you'll get hooked on that. But then you'll get a lot of data where you have no idea where they've come from. It says organic or direct. And a lot of companies don't rank for anything apart from their brand because they haven't done SEO before or what does direct mean? So they, they don't know where that's come from. So they just say, oh, we've got a referral. You need to start discovering what these levers are that you should be pulling in order to get more of those channels. They're going to have heard about you from somewhere. And if it is a referral or somewhere on social media, how can you spur more of that activity? And that's probably through targeting, through paid media or through content, which you can then start really scaling up those conversations that people are having, which aren't attributable. Because a lot of times our, our team will see an ad for a bit of software, which makes our Google ads marketing process easier or more profitable or more streamlined or anything else along those lines. And they'll come to me and I'll fill out a form on the website because they said it's really good. And I'm, you know, the one with the credit card. And if someone looks at that attribution, that's going to be me from direct. It's not going to be that their LinkedIn ad was absolutely killing it. So you just start building that into your process with your sales guys. You know, how did you hear about us? And then people do tell you and people actually remember quite vividly on forms. They can tell you and it can work, but in person, that has to be a mandatory field. So when we start working with companies, not only do we try and set up their attribution modeling from an automatic point of view so they can see it in their analytics and they can see it in their CRM account, but we also work with the sales teams to know how they can start you know, that feedback loop with us to, you know, really giving us great data in order to start leveraging channels. Because if you try and use all channels and all mediums and all platforms as direct response, then you're going to gonna hit a ceiling and you might squeeze an ROI out in the early days when people aren't used to getting squeezed by you, but it's going to slow, slow down more and more. So you need to have different avenues of attack when it comes to marketing. And that's pretty much everything that's come from, from B2B marketing. It's, I think the four key takeaways are digital marketings have too much on their plate, whether they're, um, you know, if they're in-house, they've got too much to do or they haven't got enough budget or you know they've been spread too thin. They don't have enough direction necessarily a lot of the time in what the company wants to achieve from marketing. They have probably company-wide goals, but then how marketing plugs in is probably quite different. So then it can turn quite into a reactive task. And then they have to, if they do want to experiment, get a quick return. Otherwise, it's cut. They've got large sales teams to feed and the budgets don't quite marry up to the sales team size. And even when people are getting good leads and they're happy with their lead gen books, want to expedite it, companies need to start reframing the way that they think about attribution and start building in processes, which allows them to do better work. So finally, on to us the last 10 minutes or so around what we've learned from managing the process from lead gen all the way through to, to sale or not sale. And we found first and foremost, this is probably the biggest one, There's a, and we, we had anecdotal evidence, but seeing it firsthand and having these conversations in a lot of depth is very different. And we found that the difference between channels is huge. And if someone comes in via search, so if we're ranking for SEO agency, either organic or paid a search, for example, um, which we do, what we found is if someone comes in via search, they're speaking to three or four other people. 
And it makes sense, right? You type in SEO agency or PPC agency, you hit an ad, you fill out a form, you then go to the next one down and fill out a form. You want them all to come together and compete again with, you know, everything from price to um, USP to um, success stories and everything else. And then you'll make a decision in which one you want to go with. So if you start doing search for your client, then you have to make sure that you know exactly what it is that you're going to be selling afterwards. So are you selling, you know, not this right idea, but the cheapest solution, or are you selling the solution which is the, the highest rated by all their peers or the ones with the best use cases or the one with the best reputation or what are you selling can you compete against other people in your space because you're going to be coming up against them if you're competing in search whereas regard to linkedin for example if someone's found us from linkedin from a first touch point they may not be as far down the buying journey but we know when that person comes to speak to someone about something we're the ones that they're going to come to because there is no other competition they we've created demand for them rather than them trying to in search for filler demand so we've created demand so we are the sole provider in their mind and we've had a lot of conversations with people that have come through from linkedin ads and some of them are just interested some of them want to go straight away some of them are in that sort of limbo process where they're trying to figure out how to allocate budget for the year so linkedin ads and sort of less the non-direct response channels like paid social or social media in general are really good for creating demand but aren't as high intent you have definitely some that flow through and some have closed really quickly, some have closed six months later. But it's all right getting that first touch point, giving them a bit more education around it. So when it does actually come to the time to buy, you are there. Whereas search is very much, they're ready to go. How can then we start competing? And both of them have their benefits. And I'd ultimately say that both play a great part in your lead gen strategy and mixing them together. So someone might search on, on Google and then get your ads for the next six months and then be ready to buy or they might get their first touch point and get your brand awareness via Google, or sorry, via LinkedIn, and then go onto Google. They'll see your brand and think, okay, I've actually seen these guys for a while. I'm more likely to be swayed towards them. So this leads me onto my next one. And one thing that we've learned in spades is not all, not all form fields are created equal. You can have two companies, for example, that are in B2B for us, who are 100 to 200 people, employees, and they work in software. And they're both ideal for our um, target audience persona. And we might think, okay, we've got both of them have got a anywhere from 20 to 50% chance of closing. But what we found is if someone's hitting their first touch point, and this is the first conversation that they, or the first thing they know about us, then they're probably only about 20 to 50% along the buyer journey. They still got 50 more percent to go and we need to persuade them in-house and it takes a lot more resource, a lot more time, a lot more meetings to push them across the line. If someone came to a webinar of ours a year ago or saw us in the webinar or saw us at a talk or saw one of our LinkedIn ads or has been on our site through Google paid ads and looked at our case studies or webinars previously, they've never filled out a form, but then they've done another search, they've seen us again and then they fill out a form. These people are like 80% away long the buying journey and we've only got 20% to, to get them to sign or they're ready to go straight away. So there's this area that you have this unquantifiable zone and we're quite lucky in the fact that because we are trying to practice what we preach with regard to how we advertise, um, we aren't really worried about direct response attribution. We're worried about using past success stories and use cases and thought leadership that we know people are interested in through the conversations we've had to amplify that to get the consumption rate up and then we know and can trust that people are going to come in via our website form or an ad at a later date. And I've got to a stage now where I'd much rather people not fill out a form on their first touch point 
without a brand because I know how much work it is then to persuade, convince and show that we can do the work. Whereas if someone's seen our or listened to our podcast or if someone has seen our LinkedIn ads or someone's come onto our case studies after seeing us rank in Google, for example, and then come to us a few weeks or months later or even just a few days later after they've consumed it, thought about it, we then know that person is much more likely to convert. So again, it's something in your marketing to think about is you want to be able to spend less time or your sales guys want to spend less time actually trying to persuade them and try and spend more time persuading them before they get in contact. So when they do get in contact, they are much further along that cycle to buy. And it's they know who you are. They just need to know things like pricing um, in its entirety and you know potentially speak to a customer or two, which is Great, right? Because everyone's got all their customers that are with them. You've got good use cases, good success stories, um, and you can you can pair them up with people that work in a similar industry that are looking to achieve or have achieved similar things. Um, the other one is the buying journey is far from linear, and it's very similar to the point above. Above, but we can have people that speak to us a year ago. We won't hear from them a year, and then they'll come back a year later, whether it's a new company or the same company, and go, let's go now. I know the pricing. I know everything else. Let's go. So all the conversations you're having are important, and they, and you know, a lot of the time you'll see them pay dividends in the future. So if you're tracking metrics, you know, you can track meetings, you can track um, all of that stuff. But then when it comes to tracking revenue, if you start and look back at it from a year on year perspective, you'll get a much better standpoint and a much better idea of what worked in the long term and to do more of that than you will if you're just doing that month to month approach of tracking ROI. If you look back month to month, you won't really see any trends and you won't see any long term results of what you've done. But if you look back after a year, the investment you made at the beginning of the year very much is going to potentially help something that happens later in the year. And you'll be able to see a really clear picture of it. So give your marketing time to work is something that I've learned in spades this year. We found that for us, an average of three meetings is what it takes to, to speak with someone. They fill out a form through to you know, actually them signing a contract, which is great for us because it gives you time to go through your process or have a discovery call, go through your process, then go through terms and conditions. And anything more than that kind of seems like they're not quite ready yet. And like I mentioned, they're probably a bit too early in the process. Anything less than that probably means that, you know, it's not a good fit or it's too expensive or whatever it may be. And like I mentioned, finally, the biggest question, and I really want to drill this home, is asking them, how did you hear about us? Even if you're, they come through a LinkedIn form or they come through a Google ad, you can't just assume it's the first time they've heard about you or how they know. You know, I'm not saying they should say that I came through on a Google ad because they might not know what Google ad is. They might say search engine or they might say LinkedIn. It could be organic, could be paid. But as long as you know the platform or the sort of like medium in which they came through on, you can then know that's working. You can really work on the content, really focus on the consumption and go from there, really. And I think that's one thing. If you take away from day, start laying that into how you've heard about um, how have they heard about you as a question that has to be answered and then feed that back into your marketing. Cool. That's everything for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. We're coming up to a half an hour slot now. And if you have any questions as per usual, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or email me at ben at session But have a great week and I'll see you guys next week.